Hello everyone and welcome to the very first episode of The Process. My name is John Lee and I'm a comedian here in Bellingham. And my name is Kevin Hugerwerf. Uh, I do music under the name Brokebot. I have a YouTube show, youtube.com slash whatanerdshow. I do improv at the Upfront Theater. And I'm also a comedian. Oh man, yeah. John, you really, you really. I know. I only said nothing one to thing. show. I do improv too. That's what we. <laughs> that's true. No, that's, but you also, yeah. you've also put a lot more time into being a comedian yeah. than I have. Uh, that's improv is a thing that we share in common. Yes, yeah. we, we both uh -huh. do improv. Um, and we we both had this idea for a show. We're interested in how creative people think. Uh, mm -hmm. I mean, we're making things. We're getting on stage and doing stuff. Um, and so it's it's it was kind of interesting to us to uh, like just think about. What do creative people do? Like when they're when they're creating, what's their process? Uh, hence the name, the process. Uh, I don't know. What, what do you? What would you want? Yeah, to I mean, it's it's the show is basically it's a place for people to be pretentious. No, <laughs> um, it's 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 like a ne the it's a never ending conversation about someone's writing process and someone's creative process. And uh, for this very first episode, we got Mr. Benjamin Crable. Yeah. Uh, we snagged him before he went back to Berlin. He was the the stand-up club president at, at Western. Uh, Western Washington University. Yeah. And we had tons of fun uh, at we in Western's library talking to Ben. So thanks for listening, and um, please enjoy this episode with Ben Crable. And we find ourselves in a conversation already in progress. We are, have we already started? No. No. Okay. Yeah, yeah, we already yeah, started. Yeah, we already did. Yeah, we saw you in the window. We thought, what's the hipster thing to do with the the podcast? We're doing a Pete Holmes. This it's a, we've already started recording sort of thing. That's what everybody does, do. actually. Uh, yeah, it's yeah. pretty popular. Are we really a... doing it right now, though? Uh, we could. Yeah. I, I want to. Uh, well, the, that waveform looks really small. When we were talking about it originally, it was basically just like. Imagine the opening scene of Reservoir Dogs, like the conversation just I fades in. I have not in. seen Reservoir oh, Dogs. Or Pulp Fiction. Pulp Fiction I, is the same way. Okay, yeah, yeah. Because right. they're just like walking, right? And they're just uh -huh. like, ah, we're in a conversation. Right. No, it, it opens in the diner. <laughs> that's Reservoir remember, Dogs. No, that's, I'm talking yeah, Pulp that's Fiction. That's one of my favorite lines Quentin Tarantino ever wrote. Ah, <laughs> uh, we're in a conversation. Ah, <laughs> no, uh, we're still talking. Open, it's still we're going to fade in and it's going to be uh, it's, authentic. It still opens in a diner, Pulp Fiction. Does it? Oh, uh, yeah, shit. Okay, okay. Uh, I was oh. thinking the. That's right. That's the yeah. actual scene. In I was thinking. Do you guys remember uh, the, the Django yeah. Unchained when it opens up and he's in a diner and he's like, man, being a slave fucking sucks. <laughs> we're not in Act 3 yet. We're not in Act 3. This is a three act <laughs> podcast. This is a three act podcast. <laughs> We've already deviated. Fuck. <laughs> You've already been real terrible, Ben. I've I can't already, believe I, you're episode one. I've completely derailed the conversation. Um, well, we, we basically just want to start with... Uh, um, Guys, audiences love structure, and this is way too yeah. free for them right now. <laughs> All right, you know what? Let's go to the... Let's I got, the I got these notes. Me and John got coffee. We got these notes. Uh, no, just you have coffee. <laughs> Uh, rent library. Next That's what I got at the top everyone. of the uh, the first act. Here. Rent library. We are currently in Western Washington Libraries, universities. The, just the whole half of the state. We've rented Western an Washington entire library University. for the day. It was very expensive. Uh, opening introductions. I think uh, I have it here in quotes. The cool thing. The cool <laughs> thing. Start with this. Are you talking? Oh this yeah! This is already this, this is, is already the, getting too meta. Already well, the cool thing. That's the first thing off our checklist. Do you have anything to plug? Probably not, because you're moving to, to, plug. to Berlin. I think butt plugs are weird. I think that I don't like God the word it. plug. <laughs> plug. Whenever I hear it, I have to think of that now. It's like it's the worst. It's in my brain all the time. You should cut that. <laughs> <laughs> no, we are not cutting. And there's me. There's me raw. clipping the shit out of your you audio. You know what? I, I'll just I'll just turn it down. No oh problem. Oh my lord! You clipped it at three point one <laughs> dBs. That's no big deal. Okay, whatever. Uh, <laughs> um, do I have anything to plug? No, I don't know. Like, uh, do I have anything to plug? How long have you been doing stand up? Are we talking about that? Okay, I guess I should yeah. know who I am. Uh, my oh, name is Benjamin Craybill. Uh, I'm a stand-up comedian. We said that in the intro already. Oh, you already said that in the intro. And <laughs> no what we didn't record yet. What they yet. covered in the intro. I don't either. Um, I'm a comedian. But, how, but we didn't say how long you've been doing it. I, that's a really weird question for me, and I get that a lot, because yeah, I am 21. Uh, I'm a young guy, and when I'm performing in Berlin, I'm generally the youngest performer on the bill. Uh -huh. um, even you guys will probably know the feeling, like... If we're in a place other than Bellingham, which has got like good college comedy, uh -huh. a lot of the time you'll be the youngest person 
on the bill. Uh-huh. And so when people are like, when did you start performing comedy? For a lot of newer comedians, especially in the States, I'm 21, people are like, oh, he's just got the ability to right, go on the bars. Yeah. How good could he be? Uh, and then, I mean, when I go to Berlin, I'm always introduced as, oh, he's a young guy. He's, you know, and... But the thing is, I've been performing jokes that I've written in front of people since I was eight. I thought it was eighth grade. No, eighth, eighth grade was when I, I did my first stand-up show, but oh, okay. I used to tell jokes to kids at soccer camp between <laughs> matches, and I'd entertain them. Uh, and they were these British kids. It was a challenger soccer camp. And they, they gave all the kids nicknames, and they called me Jerry Springer. And I think they meant Seinfeld <laughs> because... They're really similar. Jerry Springer. Oh, yeah, incredibly similar. <laughs> Seinfeld is practically... You're not the father. Did you tell jokes like that? Yeah, exactly. That was an incredible. As you can tell, I have not improved very much since I was eight. <laughs> no, I'll, um, I, I mean, I'll just, I'll just sing your praises. No, I not told, just because you're my guest, but because you're I my told, friend too. I told the okay, like the very, like very formula. I mean, they were joke jokes. You know, they were they were oh, like yeah. oh three. It was mostly a lot of hair color jokes, which were like they were they're racist jokes, but for children. <laughs> Did you try and did you try and copy anybody like early on? Oh, early You're on, like, early gonna... on, it's really hard for every comedian to not copy Mitch Hedberg. Yeah, yeah. Everyone yeah, has gonna... a Mitch Hedberg. Phase. There are so many just like I mean, it's like that guy's just trying to be Mitch or Louie. Like, oh my God, yeah. There and are so it... many just like my favorite. I mean, copycats. one of my favorite things to see when you go out to an open mic is there are so many people that try and be like George Carlin because uh-huh. they've seen his later specials in his life. Where it was literally, he'd go on stage and be like, nah, the government doesn't care uh-huh. about you. And they'd be like, no, you said words. Right, yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. there's this very uh-huh. sweet, there's this sweet spot in Carlin's career where, like, after he's got his footing, after he's got his style, and then, like, you have to catch him before the audience members just come in that literally just, like, lose their mind <laughs> at everything that he says. Wait, I mean, And yeah. then it's, it's really interesting to go, to see people go on stage and try and do that because they think it works. I was at a, um, my brother dragged me to this uh, UW theater thing, and I used to be a college theater kid, and I remember the the sort of like, being a theater kid in college is interesting because they, they all kind of huddle together like penguins against the harsh reality that they're going to be baristas <laughs> together for the rest of their lives. I'm ta- you're talking to a philosophy major. Right. So Dude, philosophy majors are actually more employable than theater majors. Uh, I would have argued. Um, I'm currently unemployed. Yeah. Well, <laughs> this is my job. Yeah. Um, so, what was it? Yeah, so Peter I, kids, penguins. Yeah, he dragged me down to this thing in UW, and this this girl went up on stage, uh, and one of her jokes uh, j- jokes uh, was literally her like describing about how gender is fluid, and it like it had no punchlines, <laughs> no observations. It was literally her discuss- describing the concept of gender fluidity, and people in the audience were like, "What? <laughs> it's brilliant!" <laughs> and I'm just like, "What? Oh, a bunch of drunk college kids." I mean, I, I don't know. A lot of people like. I've noticed in stand-up a lot of you just be be genuine. I mean, obviously that's not like no, really stand-up. It was, it that's was, like, like that's like no, here's the thing: is like, that was a diatribe. It wasn't stand-up, <laughs> right? I'm not. I'm not it, maybe it that's like a stand-up. <laughs> weird and it's example, like but. that was. It was really important for me to get off of campus because like mm. that you can you can fall into the pandering trap. Like that girl, if she went off campus, I mean, Seattle is incredibly liberal and the stand-up scene is incredibly liberal. Mm. However, if you just went on stage and described gender fluidity, like <laughs> no one's gonna laugh. Well, you know, comedy isn't necessarily about to laugh. Comedy's all about that's how I know. I'm, I was I was being devil's advocate, but you know, you just want to jump on my devil's fucking. Advocate. No, even the devil would look at that and be like, "That's fucking stupid, Kevin." God. <laughs> well, I, I'll, I'll say this, and and he already has a following, but like Mike Rubiglia is uh, my girlfriend's boyfriend. He's my favorite comedian. Oh, of and course. Uh, my girlfriend's he's, boyfriend. The... He, in, in my opinion, he's the, one of the best storytellers. Oh, in the world. absolutely. Yeah. Just comedian, just absolutely incredible storyteller. Well, and the the first time I saw his new one, his, uh, my girlfriend's boyfriend. Oh, it, so I just good. I, I thought it was hours? good. It's like uh, it's like an hour, an hour and fifteen hour or something. 15, yeah. yeah, and I was like, that was good. But, like, I don't know how funny it was. It, it was more inspirational. And then on every uh, listen through after that, I was like, this is hilarious. Yeah. This is, like, this yeah. is hitting it. But it, it's interesting to me to what see, I like, that kind of said stand-up. was nothing. That's not from my girlfriend's boyfriend, Ben. Yeah. Oh, but that's how I remember <laughs> Mike Birbiglia is, is that, oh, yeah. that particular line. No, totally. Um, so I guess if we're, we're going back to the, the, the how long have you been doing comedy, um, I first did stand-up comedy at a friend's 
birthday party of mine. Did you buy uh, stuff that I? No, because <laughs> I was an eight, I was an eighth grader performing for all my friends in eighth grade. It's like that girl. But at that then, but then, party. when you get to here, you're a twenty year old and performing in front of all your other twenty year olds. Yeah, I know exactly, which is why it was so important for me to get off campus. And recently, in my foray into Berlin, when I'm when I'm performing in front of expat crowds who are from all over. It's made me, like, I used to have a lot of jokes that revolved around, at least my framing devices revolved around Bellingham, this city, mm-hmm. as, a, as a town. Like, I have jokes about Bikram yoga. I have a joke about making kombucha, and people understand that joke here, yeah. which is great. I, I have several jokes where I acknowledge that I play Magic the Gathering, and um, Berlin, they do not get that. Really? Nobody gets that. No, because ma- huh. Magic was, uh, Wizards of the Coast is here in Seattle, so, like, that, that huh. like, Dungeons and Dragons, like, we have packs and stuff over here, so mm. there's so many references that I can't make. Right. It kind of knocked out all the crutches from under me. <laughs> so... Well, that's I, that's something we haven't really brought up yet. So, you really got, like, your... Would you say you got, like, your big start, like, kind of here in Bellingham? Yes. Like, really, um, really hitting it hard. I actually... I really wanted to be uh, in the Dead Parrot Society, which is our, our improv group here, and I, I wanted to turn out for those, sort of... They have these open practices that they do... And I wanted to, to come out to those, but uh, stand-up was so so much my priority that I, I did that for a couple months before I even remembered uh, about the improv club because I, <laughs> I was so stoked that I had an opportunity to do, uh, to do stand-up weekly. So I guess I started doing stand-up weekly when I was 18, and then by the time I was 21, I was doing it three, four times a week. Cool. And now that I, I've been living in Berlin for two months, I've been doing about six nights a week. Which you've just like alluded to. Which so you just like, alluded if, to. I mean, what what made you decide um, to, for, to for those travel? of you who are just listening? I I went I went into for those of you just tuning in, yeah. like you're just <laughs> like you haven't been listening from the start. For those of you who probably <laughs> who clicked halfway yes. through the for those of you who zoned out, <laughs> bring up this, speed. Uh, for those of you who decided to start, for those of you who blacked out this, and, and <laughs> are just coming back because this is this is a drunk podcast right here. For those of you who decided to start. A podcast that you've never heard before in the middle of the podcast. <laughs> um, I've been uh, abroad for a while. I was in Estonia for a couple weeks, and then I was in Berlin for like two months. Uh, and I've been doing comedy the whole time. Uh, I did comedy in Finland. Uh, I was there for less than 24 hours, and I did an open mic there. Nice. I went to Finland just to do comedy. And within four hours of being there, I got within touching distance of the Prime Minister and took a photo of it. <laughs> That it was, was amazing. Awesome. I was like, you guys really don't care. <laughs> like, uh, that's so nice and laid back. Uh, Finland's beautiful, though. Um, Helsinki's nice. I saw more girls kissing there than I have ever seen anywhere. What about... And not in, like, a creepy way, but, like, yeah, in, like, because... good-for-you way. Like, nice, Finland. Yeah. That's good. Great. <laughs> Great. Good for you. I don't have a problem with it. I'm not fetishizing it. I'm just observing it and saying that's more of that. Now, now that you've Great. got now that you've gotten out of the woods of the underground coffee house, do you, is it like weird? Going woods back? is a different coffee store, John. I mean, Woods <laughs> Coffee is so underground coffee. House. By the way, because we're gonna have this is gonna be an international podcast right. because of uh, Benjamin Kramer. The, the exactly. underground coffee house is like the this coffee house it's, on the Western Washington University. It's a cave. Campus. It's packed it's a with cave. students. It's really it's cozy and it is a cave. It's 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 technically it's not underground. Is it Plato's, it's on the side like, of Plato's cave? But like the real comedy is it Plato's cave? Or we don't we don't need to get Kevin, you're a philosophy. Yeah. It's common. It's a common. Never I mean, mind. I mean, like, what's it like writing for that crowd as opposed to <laughs> any other crowd? Um, so because I, 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 I kind of develop my style in front of, of college comedians um, or in front of college students. So yeah, sometimes right. there's was, other comedians. It was really interesting. Yeah, sometimes there's other comedians. Yeah. Um, especially so when a lot of comedians start out, they'll be performing in bars and just pretty much in front of other comedians because mm-hmm. a lot of the time, sadly, those are the people who come and, and exactly. see open mics. Um, but I had a steady audience of people who were pretty much my exact age because the, the open mics on campus are disproportionately attended by underclassmen, so mm-hmm. uh, 18, 19, 20-year-olds. And that's kind of the trap, too, with student comedians. They'll, like, they'll start doing the Tuesday open mic at the end of coffee house, and it's just like oh, they yeah. get every single reference, and it's just like... Yeah, when What's I up went with Bond out, Hall, and everyone's to... like, yeah. like, And then they never want to go off campus right, because it's, right. that's their safe like, spot. To, to give an example, I did I did Last Comic Standing one year, and I and I won that one year. We have a, a competition here. And I'm convinced the joke that, that won me that competition, well, it was a Harry Potter reference. Yeah. It was a Harry Potter reference. Wait, it was what, a, what was the joke? It was a joke about um, the the, my girlfriend uh, <laughs> when... If she, 
She told me if she ever died that she would haunt my penis, and I, oh. I, I think that's unfair because I don't want to be making sweet love to someone after I've finally opened myself up to physical intimacy again and have the ghost of my ex-girlfriend come out of my penis like a Patronus. <laughs> yes. Um, Patronus. So, People were yeah, standing said, up high-fiving each other. I said the word Patronus. No, he said uh, Dick Patronus. Dick Patronus. Was the, was the, I, yeah. I remember that because like it's, it's a great joke. Yeah. <laughs> Which is, and, and it's a, it was a good joke um, uh, if you actually hear it be told on stage and not on a podcast. Uh-huh. Um, <laughs> but just the fact that that, well, that joke it was universally understood was so uh, was so nice because, I mean, when I went out to bars, a lot of my material just bombed. Yeah. Because it, I, I was, like, all totally marketed towards college kids my age. And, and, and then you're labeled as a student in a bar, whereas, yeah. like, at a, at a at the coffee house, you're just another guy. Yeah. But at the, like, at the frog, let's say, it's like, and up next, he goes to Western Bend. Yeah. Like, you know, like, you're automatically... Again, for our movie. international uh, listeners, <laughs> the frog is a reference to the Green Frog, a uh, a, a bar in Bellingham, Washington, yeah, where we're you can gonna, do stand We're going to mainly be talking about two venues, which is going to be the Underground Coffee House, which is the, uh, the place on campus where most campus comedians get their start, and... Uh, and musicians they have a weekly open mic that's very popular with students mm-hmm. and then the green frog downtown is the um, most popular consistent stand-up venue and they do stuff on monday nights um so yeah definitely going out to the bar scene was really interesting at first and it really made me step on my game and now that i've been out performing for expat audiences and international audiences it's had me refocus again to try and get my humor to appeal to every nationality and my goal mm. I've decided is that I want to see if I can do festivals uh, there's a chance that I might be doing some comedy at the Berlin International Comedy Festival this cool. July uh, presuming everything with my visa goes well uh, but as of the recording right now it's kind of close to the terror attacks that occurred in Paris mm-hmm. so uh, I'm white and a man uh, I don't know why females would be dangerous. I'm just trying to bring privilege into this and saying, like, I'm a white American <laughs> guy uh, who is just going to go over there and they're not going to be like, oh, let's dust him for explosives. They're going to yeah. dust me for drugs, not explosives. Look at me. Uh, for those of you not uh, who don't know what I look like, uh, I look like... Uh, if Thor gave up. I look like Thor if Thor just stopped giving <laughs> yeah. a shit. Um, uh, if, if you're listening, uh, at least this episode Which is, is my joke. Don't let John think you yeah. came no, up but this is this is the the first episode and at least this one's gonna be featured on my YouTube channel youtube.com slash what an art channel <laughs> yeah. I and actually so, I love your show <laughs> and I you love that. I've always wanted to be on a gaming let's play channel and just well I wanted to have you on it and you moved the, you moved I moved away. to Berlin I moved to this Berlin this is more important I'm this glad is. he got it but I'm glad anyways my, my point is I'll, I'll, put, like a, I'll put a picture Tron, oh. except like uh better <laughs> which would be hard to hard to do he's kind of got the youtube monopoly thing how far it's, are we in you know uh we didn't do a time but we're probably about okay. 15 right we're about get, 17 let's start actually Between talking about the process here yeah uh, well, what i want something i want to know is how, how you deal with a bomb uh well, I never how bomb is how, the thing. Is, is, <laughs> how I deal with a bomb? Or how did you? Like, or how not, did you when you first started? Not every place overseas has terrorists everywhere. Uh, oh boy, we're not all trained in that. Um, wordplay. Wordplay. Uh, if you guys are wondering, my set is 15 minutes entirely of just puns, <laughs> based around my penis. It's dick puns. Is that your creative process? You just write. Entirely. You just write your dick. Puns. This is a bomb right now. I, I <laughs> you're bombing our show. Get the fuck out of here. How are you here. gonna deal with this later? <laughs> We're asking you questions, yeah. and you're you're talking okay, about your dick. Okay, how do I deal? How do I deal with a bomb? Um, <laughs> uh, well, as a comedian, uh, it really depends on, on where you're bombing, and the ability to read the crowd is. I think comedy uh, is just a form of crowd manipulation, and that's what affects me. That's why I like comedy, is because I like going into a place, and I like. Just saying, like, I'm on stage, and I'm going to tell you how to feel and how to think for five minutes, and I'm going to have this complete power over you. And so people put you, their guards up, too. When, like, you do. get up there, like, hello, my name's Ben, and everyone's like, screw you. Yeah. <laughs> like, just go ahead and try and make uh, you laugh. You know, but, like, try. at open mics, I mean, especially in Berlin, the crowds are, are very friendly. They're very... Uh-huh. I, find, like? I, I find it at open mics, at least, when, I, when I'm when performing, people are like, oh, he's, he's getting up and he's doing jokes. Uh-huh. Um, but when I am bombing... Um, Luckily, I'm at the point where I have I have a lot of material written, uh-huh. and uh, if I if I'm doing a bit that isn't working, I can usually switch to a bit that I feel might work better in the room, or I'll switch up my delivery style. Um, however, I do tend to kind of just get into the comedy mode where 
I can I can be not doing very well and I will still have sort of the same delivery and I will just keep going mm-hmm. and that that that'll either do well or not because audiences can smell confidence yeah and there right. there are a lot of totally. bits that I've, I've been doing for a long time and that's what i was saying that like if you're yeah. doing a bit that's not going well and then you like switch to a bit you know goes well but then all of a sudden it's motivated by fear and you're like i'm gonna yeah. switch to this other joke and you're like uh, please yeah. like me you, and then you, do you prefer and to then like, that bombs do you prefer to like just go on the track that you're going but with confidence instead of kind of like yes fearful yes like i i actually i seldom switch um usually if my set is bombing i will I will just accept that this set isn't going to go great. Um, and I think my biggest asset as a comedian, for those of you who haven't seen or heard me perform, and I, you guys will probably put a clip in. Um, we will after Act 1. After yeah, Act we'll 1. Um, <laughs> I think my greatest uh, aspect as a comedian is that I very obviously find my own material hilarious and that I laugh at my own jokes. And here's the thing is that when I am on stage and I'm laughing at my own jokes, I'm calculating when I'm going to laugh. I laugh along with the punchlines. I will, I, the pacing of my set is very musical and it's very, I, I have a lot of different variations in tone for a lot of jokes. I, I mean, I can probably, I sound pretty monotone right now on the podcast because my, <laughs> my voice is really sore, but I, I have a tendency The audience to, knows when to laugh. You know when like a joke is poorly crafted. Yeah. When, when the, a comic gets up there and you're just sort of like, uh, put, set up maybe, heel yeah, over here, yeah. punchline, so, heel over here maybe. So when I am bombing, it's, I wouldn't say it's hard for me to bomb, but it's 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 hard for me to ever feel like I'm bombing because on stage I'm having so much fun, and even if I'm bombing and I'm not getting any laughter, I am smiling and I'm laughing along with my jokes, and usually that'll get people smiling as well. At least uh. they'll see that I'm enjoying myself and that I like the material. Because the one thing uh, that that audiences don't like is nervousness and unpreparedness so if you go on stage and you say like i'm not doing so well or like oh it's my first time they they'll they'll kind of back off the, the preface yeah, yeah the oh god yeah, yeah the selling the yourself preface. short yeah oh, yeah i mean uh, it's, this is yeah. all some new material so if it's shitty then uh <laughs> don't laugh at it it's oh, like just the, just tell your oh, jokes just like tell your, just yeah. tell your jokes i've been thinking about tentacle porn a lot lately <laughs> <laughs> like a lot like more than you think is a lot. Uh, for those of you who don't know what tentacle porn is, uh, it's porn usually from Japan. Uh, usually involves uh, a lovely lady and tentacles. Um, and my problem with it, like I feel that I could find it erotic. Like I am open-minded enough. My problem with tentacle porn uh, is that it's all non-consensual. It's just, it's all tentacle rape. There's never a tentacle date, you know? There's never consenticles, if you will, you know, right? But I feel like I could really get into it. So I'm gonna take, this isn't really a joke, this is more of an experience. It's a story experience. Uh, this is my ideal tentacle porn video. Okay. <laughs> I really hope you're not that premature in bed, Ian. That means really... I guarantee you nothing. Okay. Um, lights up. She's getting ready. She's putting on her makeup. She hears a knock at the door. Tentacles are early. She's like, oh shit, I don't want... But she doesn't want to do that thing where girls take too much time. You know, so she goes down the stairs and she opens the door and she goes, hi. Tentacles. <laughs> The tentacles are like, you look, you look, you look beautiful. I'm sorry, was that? She's like, oh, she, I think it's sweet. It's sweet. Where are we going? And the tentacles are like, oh, it's a surprise. Got to the restaurant. Way nicer than she expected. She's like, am I, am I dressed well enough? And the tentacles are like, you're great. You look beautiful. And they order. And the tentacles pay for everything. They have a really nice time. Cut back that night. Her place. Tentacles are walking up her porch. And she turns around and she says, Look, um, tentacles. I had a really good time tonight. I feel like, and the tentacles are like, I, 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 I feel like we've <laughs> connected here tonight. And she's like, Yeah, me too. Um, listen, um, 
identicals. Do you want to come upstairs? And the tentacles are like, look, uh, okay, um, look, all, all because I bought you dinner and everything, and everything. I don't, I don't want you to feel like you owe me anything, okay? You're not that type of girl. And she looks the tentacles deep in the tentacles, <laughs> and she says, no, tentacles, I want this. <laughs> That's a black end of porn. That's it. You just get to imagine the wonderful pillow gripping love making between this lovely young lady and tentacles coming from somewhere off screen. We don't know. Thanks guys so much. My name is Benjamin Crabo. Um, my dog died when I was in, in Europe and I Skyped him uh, while they put them down. It was just weird, I know. Uh, but I, I picked him up. I wanted to be there when he left, you know. Mm -hmm. And for me, that was that was nice. You can judge me all you want. Um, but I, I got off Skype, uh, and then I stopped crying, uh, sobered up a little bit, um, and then promptly went to an open mic and did material about my dog just dying, like two hours after it happened. Mm -hmm. And it was all good material. And I'm I'm still keeping a lot of it. Mm -hmm. But I made the mistake of telling the audience that I was in a bad place emotionally because my dog just died, and then proceeding to do jokes about my dog just dying. Right, yeah. Well, I did I did a set, uh, it was, a, I mean, it was like a, a few months after my breakup, I guess, but it was like mm -hmm. when it had really, I, I don't need to get into it, you're, you're the guest, but uh, <laughs> I was doing like breakup jokes at the Green Frog, um, and it was like a weird night, like a lot of people were bombing, but I got oh, up yeah. there, and I don't think I did like poorly, but I definitely was like... I, like I had, a, I felt like a single tear, like in my oh. eye, as I was telling the jokes, Man, and I, I was like, "Oh boy, I, this like, was too really much emotion soon. was coming through." Probably, <laughs> yeah. probably two springs ago, I was, uh, I was going through a really bad. Each spring, I kind of go through a rough patch. Uh, I was, I was, I was in a a, a relationship that, that had a, a cyclical. It was a breakup cycle. It was a cyclical sort of codependency, um, and I wish that person the best uh -huh. <laughs> if they're listening. Um, <laughs> But I, I was in this really bad place. Uh, my girlfriend and I at the time had been broken up, and uh, I had a very distinct uh, blue period in my stand-up where I just did really, really dark material um, and really... At the underground. At the underground <laughs> yeah. coffee house where it's not very well accepted. I want to give a little history of this, this comedy thing here at Western. When I came in at Western, so I'm a, I'm a senior now, so I'm four years into this. When I came in at Western, the stand-up comedy club was, like, really small. It was a yeah. couple of guys. And the only people that would go to the Tuesdays was, was like, me and you. Yeah, I you I and I were the only like, underground comedians for yeah, a while. Regulars, anyway. And then it kind of just started exploding, and now uh -huh. that I'm in Berlin, I mean, the stand-up club has gotten its members up. We're, we're having shows, and we have, we have this nice kind of overlap with comedians are going from college to downtown, and we're, uh -huh. we're starting to develop this little comedy scene in Bellingham. And it's been really cool to see that develop, and I'm I'm leaving that as soon as it's kind of, it's starting to grow, and I, that really makes me sad. But I'm going to Berlin, which is, uh, <laughs> hopefully I'm going to Berlin if they don't think I'm a terrorist. If not, then I'm probably going to be here for a little longer. And we'll have you on then, in season two, in season three, season two, season talking four, about how beyond. nothing went right. <laughs> Like, every season gets a little worse. Like, you come in, like, like this is Ben. Uh, we found him on the street the other day. He, he hasn't done stand-up in, uh, in six months. He's real sad. He's, just doing, he's doing stand-up on the street <laughs> for heroin. Um, I also want to talk to you one more thing about before we get into the deep stuff about, like, mm -hmm. uh, your policy on, like, uh, keeping things clean or uh, offensive. Okay, offensive. my whole thing. Because you get the people that are like, my whole oh, thing, I'm dirty cop. That's not comedy. I, I, not comedy. I kind of dirty. made my mark as a comedian when I was younger here and I told really offensive jokes. Uh -huh. I told jokes that you guys probably remember me pissing people <laughs> I, off. I what? You? know? I, I did. I, did. <laughs> I mean, I told a joke about the Boston bombings. Uh, really? Soon super, after? I was there. Yeah, soon after. It was, it was like after. less than a week. Joke, and I, 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 I justified it by saying the joke was about how I, I am very afraid that I'm a sociopath because I, I saw the reports and just didn't care because I've been raised among, you know, our generation is the generation of, of news stories upon news stories about shootings and bombing. Like, well, and it's with like, the internet, it's like, it's so all one the time. One of our first constant. memories, like, for our generation is 9 11. Like, uh -huh. that was when we could first form memories, you know? And that, 
And basically, my bit was like, I am really scared that I feel like a sociopath. And people were like, you're probably a sociopath because you told that shit. <laughs> oh. <laughs> well, yeah. Uh, well, that's so, the thing. Is like, to other comedians, you're Ben telling a joke. To an audience member, you're, you're, a horrible you're just human. a guy talking about the Boston bombings. Yeah. Like, essentially, I, I, I really got out there. And I'm glad that I kind of got my... I got, like, my horrible joke phase out of the way when I was really young. And I got my edgy, offensive phase out when I was first starting out at the college. Uh, that did burn some bridges, though. I remember I did, a, I did an interview for the Western Front. Uh, my friend Robbie. Uh, oh, you told me about this. Oh, don't can you edit out her name, please. <laughs> okay. I did a. I did a. I did I'll a, edit it out with with the same name. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, my friend <laughs> Robbie. <laughs> just dump it over. Oh, we clipped the sh- shit out of that. Keep going. Um. No, my. F- <laughs> I'm sorry. So my friend no, did this piece on me, and I, I assumed that it was going to be a flattering piece, so I just kind of told her everything about like my whole philosophy on stand-up, and she totally just picked. The worst quotes. Oh, what do you think uh, I'm gonna do with this podcast? Yeah, that's what's gonna happen. No, there was like a quote. It was like Benjamin Crabill hates the Jews, and I was like, "There's an hour of context Thanks, behind man. that whole statement, and you should probably include it." But whatever. Um, kidding. Hey. I don't hate Jews. My my whole thing is I I think comedy should be an area where you're you're comfortable and you can get on stage and express things. Uh, I think that goes for anything. Personally, here's the thing: is if you if you're going on stage and saying racist prejudicial stuff you're not going to get a response you're not comedy is this weird art form in that it's the only type of art form you can practice in you have to practice in front of people improv uh painting music you can all practice to a certain extent by yourself yeah workshopping is like 10 percent of it yeah yeah comedy like honestly i've i can't sit down and write so comedy you have to do on on stage in front of people and you should feel safe when you're doing that. You should feel safe as a developing comedian. I, I'm very wary about performing in Seattle, um, mainly because my only interaction really with the Seattle comedy scene um, <clears throat> was I witnessed this really big witch hunt where this guy went on stage and he told a racial joke. And I, I heard the racial joke, and it honestly was not that bad, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. But as a straight white guy, what the hell do I know, you know? Yeah. <laughs> um, and I, I, I was like, you know, I've heard way worse than that. It yeah. was. But this, this comedian, uh, an African-American individual, posted on Facebook, and, he, and he, he quoted the joke, and he says, this guy said this racist joke, like in all caps, uh, hashtag call-out culture, and just outing this guy as a racist. And he got like 200 likes. And I'm like, you know, for a while, when people Google that guy, they're just going to get that he is a racist without any sort of context at all. And people on, started commenting on it and saying, like, oh, this guy's a racist, we'll never hire him here. And I'm like, you know... Did you talk to him after the show? Uh-huh. Did you say this is why what you said was racist? Don't say it again. No. Instead, you went home and you you started a witch hunt on Facebook. And I think that open mics should be a place where you are allowed to test out those jokes and the offensive material, even if you it is racist. Because if it doesn't work, you'll learn. You'll learn about. It. I think the audience hopefully. has enough feed. Hopefully, I mean sometimes well, people I just tell the same racist guess, joke I, ten times in a row. But honestly, like, and here's the thing: but stand up is like that. If you if you go on stage and you are constantly telling those horrible racist jokes, you're not going to get booked. Yeah, I, I we we've kind of transitioned into Act Two here. Maybe uh, maybe we'll have had a break uh, right. by now. But uh, I guess my thought is. Uh, I think in some venues it will work. Like, yeah, maybe not in Seattle, maybe yeah. not in really liberal places. But if you oh. take that racist humor oh, to, to, yeah. to different oh, parts of club, the country, club comedy, yeah, because they'll, they'll they'll talk about. Now that I've I've been hang out with people who do comedy for a living, um, I always hear the the term between uh, alternative comedy rooms and club comedy. Mm-hmm. And they all and their club comics hate alternative rooms. Alternative comics <laughs> tend not to like clubs, and it's it's very different because you can go on stage and, and as a club comic and just be like, oh. You know, my girlfriend was saying the other day about how she's on a period and such. <laughs> and, like, that stuff will do very well. But, like, alternative comic comedy, you're, like, performing in, like, a comic book store. And you're just making jokes about... I mean, you're making pop culture references. Yeah, you're talking yeah. about your love of Star Trek. And it's very different. Um, but, yeah, I mean, I still stand on, I think... I think comedy especially should be a, a place where you can talk about anything and I think the audience's reaction to it is as much feedback as you need and I think there should be no limits placed on it and I think I side with Key and Peele Key and Peele did a, an interview where they said you should always be punching up yeah oh uh, I, I totally agree well it's, it's punching like punching up it, you know? it's like 
because uh, I've there's like a big backlash. A lot of comedians, um, and I mean Seinfeld's like famous for this now, but are, are getting mad about how, how people get upset at offensive humor. Right, but it, right. it's uh, I've always had the I've had the mentality, especially lately, and thinking a lot about it is it's okay to be offensive, but it's like, who are you offending? You know, like right. if you're offending someone who is already like attacked constantly or just like, well, here's you know. the thing is the people that are offended and the people who bother to say they're offended are never the people that you're talking about. I, I wouldn't yeah. say never, but it's... hardly ever. Eh. And I'm going to say, I'm saying if you say a certain group is off limits to being made fun of, that to me is worse than, than making fun of them. That's saying like, oh, they That's can't true, take yeah. it. Well, oh, I, I would say, they're I would fragile. say they're not, yeah. it, they're not, I would I wouldn't say like they're they're we shouldn't like they shouldn't be made fun of I guess yeah. it's just who's the one making fun of them right like I mean you I don't know I think it's all about different skill levels and it's like hard to interpret where your skill level at it, as a comedian I think oh, I think I think it's all I think it's I, I like to describe yeah. it as like juggling <laughs> right you know, like say... if you're gonna make a joke about like airline food it's like juggling scars if you're gonna make a joke about Race, it's like juggling beanbags, and if you're gonna make a joke about rape, it's like juggling like uh, knives. Fl- flaming knives. Flames. Like it's oh, all the same thing. And there's, it's there's just... ways to do it. it yeah. I, like I, I mean, like Louis C.K.'s bit about pedophiles is one of my favorite bits to bring up because he did this bit on SNL where he mm-hmm. opened uh, about pedophiles, and I was like, you know, <laughs> if yeah. someone could do that joke, yeah. it would be Louis C.K. And I'm, I'm sorry to jump on the whole Louis C.K. is like the best train, uh-huh. but they're really, I mean. He's, if he's you're gonna good. come up with a modern comedian, he's that's like, another thing about skill levels too. Is that like these amateur comedians will see like masters at work and be like, I'm gonna do that. And the they George get on Carlin stage. Thing I said. Yeah, the like, they'll come on stage and they'll think they can just say stuff, and people yeah. will be like, people, Louis did it, Chris Rock did it. And, I mean, like, people and, people tend to treat stand up like it's it's their therapy. You know, uh, I mean, like I hear all the time, like I do comedy because it's cheaper than therapy. Uh, <laughs> do you think comedians need to be depressed? To be good at what they do, or, no. or even yeah. just creative no. people in general. Yeah, uh, I think it helps. I think it, it gives motivation. I mean, like I, are I all the best dealt... comedians depressed? Like, no, that okay. is one hundred percent decidedly no. I think you have to be passionate about something. I think you have mm-hmm. to have energy, and depression can give people, in a weird way, it can give people energy. I have had my own de- uh, battles with depression. Um, I was medicated for a while uh, in high school. Um, when I came to college, I always kind of felt this funk. You know, and then I, I shaved my afro off, and it, it got a little better, but the funk was still always with me. Hmm. Uh, I was still always very funky. Um, <laughs> so, <laughs> the fact that you said shave off my afro. My afro. <laughs> it's comedy. It's it comedy. But I've heard from other comics, it's like, oh, I haven't written any jokes lately because I'm not sad enough. Well, see, here's like, the thing. Here's the thing. Yeah. So, like I said, I think my, my biggest advantage as a comedian is, is how much I enjoy it. And I, I had someone uh, after one of the mics come up after me, and this happened, I think, twice where someone else came up after me and said this. They said, they, we, we really want you to keep doing stand-up, um, and you should keep, it at, keep at it because you're not sad. You're not uh. a sad sack, and we like watching that. <laughs> and I was like, thank you. Because yeah. if you go down to these, these mics, um, at least around here, uh, and I don't, I really hope this doesn't come off bad, but a lot of them are run by, like, Guys in their 30s mm. or like late 30s, early 40s, who are they're lonely guys. They're working, you know, minimum wage jobs. A lot of comedians just kind of stay in Bellingham and use it as an outlet. And cut to me 10 years later. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, but I, I won last comic standing. Yeah, one year. back in 2012. You guys remember that? <laughs> yeah, I don't. I don't think you need to be necessarily depressed. I think that some people take that, take their energy, and, and use the lens of depression to come up with some really good bits. So I guess there is there is correlation, but there's not because you have dealt with yeah. depression. But like I have dealt with depression, it's... and I it, it definitely influenced my material. But I I mean I've been I haven't been I, you don't like owe any success to your depression. Yeah, <laughs> I don't think I owe any success because it's yeah. always been my brain coming up with the ideas, and whether or not I'm in a certain space, um, I it's still my ideas. I think you can still be happy and, and do comedy. Honestly, okay, I'm gonna tell you guys uh, like my philosophy on comedy that I came up with when I was on LSD. <laughs> I did LST once before I went to Berlin, and it, it like, reset my brain. Um, I was a very depressed, anxious person uh, the spring of last year, um, and I really wanted something to break me out of this funk that I can't escape. Uh, and I, I took LST uh, with a friend of mine who's currently in the room, 
Um, <laughs> just not. He's not. <laughs> not, he's not, not me or not either. <laughs> it's not uh, us. He's, it's Which a, one is it? It's one have, of the two. We have a live studio <laughs> audience currently. Um, there's one other one other person. And he exists. He's not just a symptom of my LSD brain. Um, <laughs> this whole podcast could be. It could be. Um, so I I did so when I was a kid I was really clever. I was I wasn't like a an intelligent kid or a smart kid, but I was really. I'd say I was smart. I was clever. I wasn't intelligent. I didn't know a lot of stuff, but I wanted to know a lot of stuff. And I, I had so much energy, and I was always smiling, and I always wanted to learn everything. Uh, but I never learned how to make friends. Um, <laughs> I just never did. And my, my, my parents both worked jobs, so I'd, they'd get home at 5, and they'd be really tired, and I, I wouldn't get a lot of attention. So I, I'd act out, and I'd, I'd talk to teachers and adults because, for some reason, you know, kids and I just didn't whatever click because I, I wanted to know all this stuff. So when I was in first grade, I started developing my sense of humor because I realized that when the teacher's saying something and then little Ben chimes in with his joke, Ben gets all this positive, you know, back then I wasn't funny, so I just get attention, but when you're a kid, any attention is good attention. Like, it, it matters. Mm -hmm, totally. And and so that's that's where I developed my, my, my comedy. But when, once when I was in, this is the moment that LSD told me broke me irreparably. Um, when I was in first grade, uh, my teacher brought in, uh, a mommy because all these kids had questions about babies. And this, this mommy of one of the kids came in, uh, she was pregnant and she talked about being a mommy to all the kids. And my mother, see, I asked all of the questions because I was, you know, I really, I was a clever kid. I wanted to learn. Um, and my mother has a PhD and is a, is a doctor. Or not a PhD. She has a, she's the equivalent of a PhD. She has a certificate before. Anyway, uh, I'm just correcting that because she will get on me if she's listening to this. She's like, why are you going by Ben, not Benjamin, the full name? If you come home, make sure to lock the door. There have been a lot of burglaries in the neighborhood. Yeah, there are. There always are, Mom. Okay, um, so... Mrs. Grable. <laughs> uh, she's a physical therapist, so she, she knows all about anatomy. And, and I, had, I had asked her already. I, I, I knew everything about the birthing process. And, of course, uh -huh. my mother told me in medical terms right um and so this lady's like do you have any questions and i'm the only kid who has a question about the baby process mm -hmm. and I, I raise my hand and i look at her and i say how long is your birth canal oh god I ask her how long physically her birth canal is because at the time and i still do i imagine the birth canal is like a gondola like a canal of venice sort of deal like with a little guy on it serenading the baby as it comes out <laughs> Um, and so I asked her how big her canal was. Uh, I wanted to know what size gondolier could fit. Um, and so that moment, my teacher was like, oh, God, we got to get this kid out of here. So she sent me to go do these sessions with the special kids because she didn't want to deal with me. Oh, good. So she sent me. So every wow. once in a while, the school counselor would come around and she'd take the, the kids from broken homes and the kids with developmental disabilities. And she'd bring them down into this this room uh, where we we have these paper bags and we make them talk and we talk about how we can't talk in each other's ears and Here is my problem. I was brilliant. I was a smart kid and I wanted to learn I wasn't I didn't know a lot of it, but I was hungry for learning and I wanted to be a smart kid and They put me in this room With these kids that were mentally very slow and kids from broken homes that didn't You know that just were so shut down that they didn't want to learn and I was stuck there for like a half hour a day. And when oh, you're a man. kid in that room, that is forever. Yeah. And I would come back from this and suddenly I go from Ben the smart kid to Ben the retard. And they, that was the word they used was the, the retard. Uh, and then I think from then on, my life became, uh, it was no longer about trying to be clever. It was about trying to prove to people that I wasn't, mentally retarded and it, it that happened to me and so basically the rest of my my school career i didn't really make a lot of friends um and i i'm gonna pin it all back on this moment where i became one of the special kids mm -hmm. i transferred schools once and I, I came back and i was still the weird kid you know because i was in yeah. a smaller town and no one forgets that um but that was really that kind of solidified my position as an outside observer and that's good for comedy, and that's that's criticism, and that's so I, I didn't have a lot of friends, uh, and I was kind of an observer type, and I, I continued developing my sense of humor, uh, and I became kind of the class clown. I was a smartass, and I would, the teacher would say something, and I would crack a joke, and I probably didn't get a single laugh until I was like, 
14. <laughs> but at that time, I had gotten all of this. Because I definitely think comedy is a mindset. And if you talk to anybody, anybody uh, you can just tell what people have it and what don't. And that's because in every art form, there's a certain amount of talent, hard work, and luck. Those are the three factors. And the only thing you can you can influence is the hard work. Uh, and with comedy, for some reason, I feel like talent plays such a huge role because there, there are people that you'll meet and just aren't funny and just don't have it. And I think anyone can be funny. Um, yeah, they, but it's something you that have you to work at it. It's or... a, it's well, a do, mindset. Do you, think, do you think the mindset then? Uh, and I got it. Is like, like long term, like yes. or, or is like you know yes. you because you, you started develop, like developing comedy as like a kid, and right. I I think back to when I started trying to be like the funny kid, and, uh -huh. and I was very young. Yeah. And uh, like, do you need that kind of like seed for like your trajectory? Honestly, or? I think if if you're gonna be an, a good comedian, yeah, I think that yeah. that's something that's got to come. Like, you'll hear all the time, like uh, engineers are like, oh, he's a smart kid, and you can just mm -hmm. tell. And I think the same thing happens with creative types. And like I said, I think comedians are, are part of a group of people that very much desire to be understood and very much desire to be approved of. And so when I was growing up, and to this day, I, I still have kind of a, a phobia of genuine interpersonal connection. See, that's interesting because it's sort of like one-on-one. -on -one. The whole... The whole um just like cracking jokes throughout school because I was that kid too it's like you're just kind of cracking jokes getting people to like you right and then like you look back and you're like dang I haven't had a real conversation in like three <laughs> well, years well really because it's because <laughs> like, you're just cracking jokes the whole time you're not being serious comedy is a, is, yeah. a, is a one way relationship it is it is saying I'm cracking a joke I'm getting my fix of positive attention right. my my reassurance it's, a, it's like it's like a drug and then you know? yeah and you yeah, know honestly really I'd is. say when yeah. I was in high school I was if it is a drug and I was a drug addict because uh -huh. I I'd go home and I would just play on the computer I'd go on the internet I didn't I didn't have any friends I didn't know how to make any friends uh -huh. and I, I didn't really hang out with anybody mm -hmm. until probably my second third year of college I, w I just had no social skills other than being a funny guy and that was addicting for me because in high school I was the guy everybody knew because I was funny, I did comedy, and I, I did a lot of theater, um, but nobody hung out with me. And that's still kind of how I am today because yeah. that one-way relationship is so tempting. That, that like, get on stage. Getting everyone to like you without joke. ever having to have a... We tie it back to, to the right. personal philosophy. Exactly, Like, yeah. when a comedian gets on stage, uh, comedy is so personal because you are, you are saying, this is what I personally find funny. And you are putting your personal philosophy out there and saying, you should all laugh at this. You're persuading people to think like you. And that's why stand-up is so personal. What is like the, the comedy scene like? Berlin, Berlin is almost entirely alternative rooms. Well, yeah, uh, I, I, I haven't huh. done a, a proper comedy club over there. Huh. And honestly, I personally, I tend to prefer the comedy that comes out of alternative rooms. People like Patton Oswalt. I compare myself to Pete Holmes a lot because he's jolly. Mm -hmm. um, that's a good comparison. I, was, yeah, I, was, I, so. I, I would say Patton. Patton yeah. Oswalt uh -huh. a little bit because I'm, I'm kind of nerdy, but I also don't look like a, a tiny elf creature. Uh -huh. I don't even know if he's an elf. He's like, what is he? Goblin. Goblin. But a like, go <laughs> not a goblin. Not a goblin. No, he's a dwarf. Not a goblin. He's closer to a, a dwarf. I saw him live. I've only seen one one comedian live. Like one. I've only really? gone out to see one comedian. Yeah, it was Patton uh -huh. Oswalt. And I got to perform the same night as his opener at a night at the underground. So I'm like one degree oh, away. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> I think if we're like it was long, maybe we can come back in now. I think comedians. Maybe we This is my podcast. Sorry, it's podcast. our podcast. It's not your podcast. I say when we cut in. So can we cut in? Can I do. Yeah, I do, do think, I do okay. think comedians, comedians to a certain point are narcissists. Well, of I course. Think, it's I like, think depression, I think self-loathing is narcissism without the positive. Well, it's it's because you're so self-involved. Like yeah, I you're like focused. That's what I I mean. It's also, yeah, there's self-love. It's like you're just like stuck in your head. Yeah, at least that's stuck. how I get when I'm depressed. Like, like you're, you're stuck, stuck in, in yourself. Like you are still obsessed with yourself, just not in a, like, a positive yeah, way. Right. So I mean, like... stand-up is a narcissist's dream. It's a conversation where you get to talk the whole time. Oh, yeah. Like, oh, and I love yeah, it. Totally. It's great. It's the best. Don't cut me off. Yeah. Fuck you. Really? Like, exactly. like I said, I, I'm so genuinely afraid of, of those real interpersonal react, uh, interactions that going up on stage is, is like a drug for me. It's like I get my fix of... 
I feel like it's dopamine. It's dopamine. It really is. Do you guys ever get in the comedy zone where like everything? You see me in the zone. I was in the Uh zone last Tuesday when Uh I was at the underground coffee house. Yeah, I fucking killed it. I did. I killed it at the underground. But I mean, you saw how I was before I went on. Oh yeah. (laughs) Did you see how jazzed I was? Yeah. Just being in a place where I know I'm gonna perform. I'm Uh like a dog in the back of a car, and I can see the park Uh out of the window. I'm so excited. Um, who are you? Uh, who are you watching nowadays? It doesn't, it doesn't have to be stand up. I mean, it could like be like shows. TV. I, I have yeah. a huge thing for animation. Anything, uh, mainly because I smoke a lot of pot. Are you watching um, Rick and Morty? Okay. Of course. Not. Not. Everyone, can, everyone so tells good. me to watch it. Like, it's so I just, good. Wait, are you? I, I'm not, not watching it yet. Yeah. Rick and oh, Morty is, is a smart. I hear show. it's really gratuitous. We were talking about this yesterday. Basically, like, I'm not even going to get into it because yeah. here's the thing: is you're wrong because you haven't seen it yet. You are factually wrong. It's just good. It is amazing. I mean, I love Community, so everyone says I. I think. I like Rick and Morty more than Community. What? Because I, I haven't think, actually you, seen a lot of Community. I, I think, well, Community's amazing. Don't Community's get me wrong. amazing. It's Community, the best to come no, out there. It's, yeah. Totally. Yeah. Uh, the thing is, the combination of Justin Roiland and Dan Harmon, oh God, yeah. it's just, well, it's godlike. Really the, improv- the improvisational tone of that show is, is nailed. They oh, just yeah. perfectly get it. Uh-huh. I really, um, I like Archer a lot. I like I think, Archer. I think if I can leverage comedy into anything, I would want to be a voice actor. I've always wanted to be a voice actor. But there are only five voice actors in the entire world. Well, you, you and do they voice everything. <laughs> you do that like uh, that radio bit, don't like, or that that bit. I do. I do. Oh, have, like, yeah, your radio bit. <laughs> yeah, I have a bit. I have a bit that goes. Um, <laughs> it just goes. That's one of my favorite bits. You'll you'll notice cartoon characters always have really high voices because they're easier to sympathize with. Because if SpongeBob came, I changed it to SpongeBob because Timmy Turner yeah. doesn't work overseas. SpongeBob, if SpongeBob comes home and he's like, ah, oh, Mr. Krabs worked me all day today, you're just like, oh, poor SpongeBob. But if he comes home and he says, Mr. Krabs, <laughs> I, they've really been working me today. All the customers making fun of my, my silky, silky smooth <laughs> voice. Telling me my voice is like chocolate on the breeze. So, oh man, you should have done the whole interview like that. Yeah, I should have done. I, yeah and I have the bit, and right after that, I'm like, oh, I can talk like that all the time, why don't I just physically do that? And I actually did, I did a Mr. musical, Crack. I have a background in, in musical theater, and I did I did opera while I was here at Western. Uh, that's such uh, I did a musical theater, uh, I did the put, 25th annual Putnam County Spelling Bee. Uh, I did a musical entirely in this voice, <laughs> and sang like that, and people, no, people wanted to punch me after that. I like, want to punch you right no, now. No, seriously, there was a rule, they were like, you can't do the voice unless you are physically on stage right now. <laughs> and that was, yeah. So I've, I've always wanted to do voice acting. You know what show I don't get is BoJack Horseman. I love that show. Yeah. I, I don't get it. I, I, mean, I, I think it's fine. I was like... Mr. Peanut Butter for Halloween. I, was oh, I saw that. The I saw Paul F. Tompkins character. Yeah, yeah. Because I think I am him in real life. I'm the Labrador retriever of people. Well, I... <laughs> I like how that's Aaron Paul. I think. That's the only reason I like it. Aaron Paul's so oh, good yeah. in that show. Well, I, I, what I'll say about the show is I remember it was, like, super hype. That's, like, every Netflix show is people watch it before I do because they uh-huh. just sit through it. Well, it's like Daredevil. And, like, uh, I heard about it for a week and then never heard about it again. Yeah, no, that's... Yeah, I, that's I think... I, I hate the... This is a total sidebar. I hate the Netflix release schedule. I think they should do it every week because the show lasts longer. Like, right. I hate everyone talking about it for, like, a, a weekend and then it's, yeah, it's done. Yeah, just binge um, watch it the whole but, time. But anyways, uh, I think with BoJack, it took, like, three or four... Ep- the first episode was the Oh, pilot. everyone knows. The first, first couple episodes are just... Bad. It takes a while. Well, it's yeah. not even... It's, it wasn't even, like... I, I remember I wanted the show to go somewhere and it got there and that's when I was at like halfway through the first season mm-hmm. I was like this is what I want the show to but, be uh, but the second season they step every single aspect of it up that's that's another thing is that people are so much more forgiving about like how much they're willing to watch I'm like that show is dumb they're like nah man just watch the first oh, the first th- three seasons gonna, are I'm terrible gonna, gonna but piss, then season gonna, four I'm and you like, can watch it all I'm right like, well, I don't want to waste my whole I'm life I'm watching off, the first three seasons uh, John really bad that's the reason I can't watch Doctor Who uh, Yo, every no. every episode, I mean, I've, every episode yeah. I've watched of Doctor Who, I've hated. I, I, I've um, just I've watched it. I'm like, this is so dumb. And then people will talk to me. They'll be like, Oh, which episode did you watch? I'm like, That yeah. shouldn't matter. Yeah, exactly. Like, the, the problem. The okay. Great. I'll, I'll say this. I'm I well, I loved Doctor Who, so I didn't watch Doctor Who until like people, season, real quick, season four. People were listening to this. Like, this is when some people like literally <laughs> shut up the shut podcast. Up. And they're like, Oh, yeah. he's I'm not shutting you down here. right now. No, no. Here's what here's what I'll say. You are. And it looks really good. Thank really you. Great. Uh, <laughs> but uh, 
So I, I didn't care about Doctor Who, and then I watched like three or four uh, seasons on Netflix, and I got really into it to the point where I wrote like papers comparing stuff to Doctor Who. Oh, and then it got to the point where I just like hated it, and now I'm in this point where like I don't watch it anymore because I think it's gone to shit. I think uh -huh. they need you know, a new you know showrunner. Why? You know why? Because Stephen you know Moffat is garbage. You know why I can't watch it? Because it is fan fiction at this point. Well, everyone that is no, no. that is writing for the it new was fan fiction is amazing. I haven't. Well, I can't, You're wrong they, because no, you no, haven't they, seen they can't, it. They can't kill off characters. <laughs> they they like find all the excuses. Well, what what kind? How am I supposed to get attached to a character whose superpower is literally changing actors? Well, here's here's the thing. Is <laughs> I think I think what's so important about the show is is almost that aspect. That's why it's hit or miss for episodes. It's because it is fan fiction. They bring in a writer and he's like. I get to make my own Doctor Who episode, right. and it's and it will. What I, I appreciate about no the show is the legacy. The legacy, I think, is almost like part of it. it is the appeal. The whole yeah. appeal of the show is that it's been on forever. There's like this yeah, weird backstory. True, they yeah. can it's the they, cult phenomena of yeah. it. It's the the appreciation yeah. of like the the older tech they had to use. In the oh, beginning. totally. And 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 the yeah. way they carry on the show with like the rich history and how I will say it's yeah, it's just gotten so cop out ish. My, even in small plot my lines, love for that. My my understanding. Here's the thing: is I understand. The appeal. I don't agree with the appeal. Yeah, that's another thing. I don't agree. It's a show that I love. John has a great bit about me not liking the Avengers. Yeah. Well, it's a show. Yeah, that's the thing. It's like it's if you don't like something, if you don't like a show that I like, I'm really irrational about it. I'm like, well, you have to like it. Except Doctor Who. I love Doctor Who, but if you don't like it, I totally get it. I mean, I had I had a poster of Doctor Who in my room for like two years. Right. But like, I love Breaking Bad, and if you don't love Breaking Bad, then idiot. That's because you're an idiot. Breaking Bad is an amazing show. Like, I'm I'm kind of that way with like The Walking Dead. Like, people are like, I really hate the. I'm like, that's because you didn't make it past the second season. Because I made it past the second season. I made it past. I defended the second season. Season three was garbage. The fifth season was insane. The fifth. I think season two was fine. Season two was okay. The fifth season, where one character. It's so far into the show. One character. It's so far into the show. But. There is this one episode that I remember watching where this character who starts off as just this total underfoot figure kills like 20 people on their own and just blows shit up. And I was just like, this is worth it. This is... This is no, see, that's, that's what it. people that's are telling me. Is like, yes, get to season five. It's great. Uh -huh. I'm like, guess what? That's like forty episodes away. Right. Exactly. Yeah. And that's such like I feel like that's a show that that is so story based. You have to like watch. Okay. Well, what are shows? What are shows you guys don't like that a lot of people like? Friends is mine. That I can't watch. I don't friends. like Friends. I cannot. Well, I don't like Seinfeld either. The the laugh track for Friends to me sounds pre-recorded, but uh, South Park. I don't like really? South Park. Really? Yeah. I used to like yeah. South Park, and it got to the point where I... I mean, it was just like kind of my shift in comedic style, and I stopped has, liking South, South Park. South Park has really shifted its comedic style lately. They've been doing just like the an animation over, weirds me out. They've been oh, doing... It doesn't, that doesn't yeah. bother They've been doing an overarching storyline for uh -huh. the, the seasons. And oh, really? This whole season is about PC culture and trying to take it down. It's really interesting that they, they brought in more writers, like Bill Hader... Mm -hmm. and then, I'm not defending South Park. I'm saying like it's it's been changing. Same thing with Family Guy. I think they're trying to kill Family Guy. I think yeah, Family writer, Guy wasn't good after the like writers, season six. Well, here's the thing: is yeah. Seth MacFarlane was on a was on an interview and he's yeah. like, yeah, the he show doesn't want to. Yeah. yeah. And now the writers are taking it so dark yeah. that they're like, please cancel the show. <laughs> I've been watching uh, Bob's Burgers. That's I feel so like good. everything the Family Guy isn't. Bob's Burgers is for well for me the thing about Bob's Burgers is I think it's an amazing show every the episode is, the characters are great the the cast is great the writing is great but for me it's like it's like weird where I don't get hooked on the show like when I get really excited and I really like a show I'll like sit down and watch it I'll yeah. watch it a million times Bob's Burgers for me is like a show I'll always like if it's on and I'll just always enjoy it and You're I think right. it's consistently good but I'm not I don't get crazy about it I part, guess part of that's a story structure and that they have like could a be. full arc every 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 show I think that, that could be it. I think a highly underrated show was uh, I don't one of those shows Mulaney. I'm like no not Mulaney. Sorry, John, if you're is, uh, is Wilfred. <laughs> I hear you like I don't know why every especially my other comedian friends like I don't know why like I everybody wasn't it. crazy about Wilfred. It's I've been, so I, good. I've, I've like, been meaning to get more into it. I watched like three episodes and I was like this has so right. much potential. The yeah. cast is good. I like it. Are we? Uh, are we anything awesome. else to talk about here? Are oh, we uh, we're things? like we're kind of yeah. Let's plug things and let's wrap it up because we got open mic to go to. We do. We got to go perform. Um, right on. So I guess I'll just plug uh, if you guys like any of the stand-up you heard or if you like any of what I have said, maybe. Um, you can like me on Facebook. Uh, it's just Benjamin Craybill Comedy. Benjamin, my last name is Craybill. C-R-A-B-I-L-L, Crab-Ill, like a sick crab, Crab-Ill. And then uh, I'm, on, I'm on Twitter uh, with the same, I'm just ben at Benjamin Craybill. And I post jokes there as well as... Uh, not jokes. <laughs> yes, as well as thoughts. As well as thoughts. 
Thoughts miscellaneous. Um, and yeah, and you guys can follow me. All right. Cool. Pleasure's eternal social media servitude. Excellent. And well, follow these oh, guys for the yes. process. Oh, yeah, we're going to... Can underscore who got on Twitter? The, the, the John Lee uh, comedian. YouTube.com. Is that com I don't know. What slash what a nerd show. All right, Ben. It was good talking to you, man. Good. Yeah, thanks for being on the show. Yeah, thanks for, being thanks for tuning Thank you in. Thank so much for uh, allowing me to be your guinea pig. I hope I talked about the process a lot. We, I, I think we did. Here's we're, my we're, process. <laughs> I, I say something funny, I write it down in a notebook, then I go up on stage, say it again. Well, fuck, that's the last works, episode of the show, that. then. We got it. Oh, boom. Oh, whoa. We're just going to edit that the last it. 10 seconds, then. Oh, yeah. <laughs> thanks right. for thanks for coming. I'm Kevin Hugor. Thank you for listening to the process. <laughs> this is, yes. This is, I was going to let you say your name, but what? I'll no, say you it. Can say this it. is John Lee. There this you is go. John this is Lee. Benjamin Craybill. You're damn right. And next week, tune in for another... Hippin' happening person who might be doing, probably is doing comedy, probably be doing something else. Yeah, probably comedy. Thank you once more for listening to The Process. That was episode one. If you enjoyed that, be sure to like the Facebook page over at facebook.com slash The Process with John and Kevin. We're going to upload new episodes every single Monday. So if you like the Facebook page, you'll just be notified automatically when those are available. And tune in next week for Summer Storholtz episode. We talked to her about stand-up and improv. Uh, so keep your eyes peeled for that. Thanks for listening, guys.